Let's pray. Speak, O Lord, as we come to You to receive the food of Your Holy Word. Take Your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in Your likeness. Lord, may this day be used for Your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you are new to North Hills or you've been viewing online this morning, uh, we have been walking through the book of Daniel. And this morning uh, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. So Daniel is in the Old Testament after a larger book called Ezekiel. I think Daniel is full of difficult passages. But we believe the Scriptures to be sufficient to teach us and equip us and encourage us in the Lord Jesus. The whole counsel of God's Word is going to equip the saints. And so at North Hills, every Sunday, every Lord's Day, we're going to open up the Bible, take a passage, and walk through it. And as we've gone through Daniel, we have seen that God gave Israel into Babylonian captivity as judgment. But the Lord gave Daniel and the three other Hebrews learning and skill and wisdom. And Daniel had been gifted with understanding visions and dreams. Daniel interprets uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and then we are shown the pride of Nebuchadnezzar. And the three Hebrews survived Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace by God's providence. Not one hair on their head was burned. And then Daniel interprets the handwriting on the wall, and Belshazzar of Babylon would be killed by Darius the Mede. And Daniel's faithfulness to the Lord gets him thrown into the lion's den. However, the Lord preserves Daniel's life. And as Daniel is gifted by the Lord to interpret dreams and visions, from Daniel chapter 7 to, Jan- to, from Daniel, ta- chapter 7 to Jan- Daniel chapter 12, Daniel receives visions from the Lord about kingdoms to come after Daniel uh, regarding the Persians, the Greeks, and what follows. And these visions have also pointed to the Son of Man who is to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as Adam finished uh, Daniel chapter 9 last week, we are jumping into Daniel chapter 10 this morning. So if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be reading Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for, for the th- full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, As I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphus around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sounds of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I... Daniel, 
alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they hid, they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Verse 10, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when you had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is four days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. And I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good, of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side except these, against these except Michael, your prince. This is God's word. So a quick overview of this passage. Daniel receives a message. Then the man in linen comes. Daniel falls into a trance. And this heavenly being comes in to answer Daniel's prayer. Daniel is overwhelmed and encouraged And then the passage closes by this heavenly being conveying the book of truth. This is the fourth and final vision of the book of Daniel. And it covers the span of three chapters. Chapter 10 is considered to be the introduction to this vision. And chapters 10 through 12 addresses events during the Persian Empire and then addresses Greece. Our passage today focuses primarily on this cosmic battle between the heavenly being and the prince of Persia and Greece. And so this heavenly warfare is affecting the the rulers and the nations of the earth. And I want to be clear as we walk through this passage, uh, who I I think the text is referring to, uh, so that I do not cause confusion. So from the phrase, one who appears like a man, I think there is one heavenly figure in this passage, and then there's Daniel. It's possible 
that there is a, there's another with one's hand in verse 10, but most likely in this passage, there are just two represented in this vision. But who is this heavenly figure in this vision? As we walk through uh, this passage today, you would guess that there's going to be debate on who this is. Uh, some say it's uh, just another angel that is not Gabriel or Michael. And others would say that this heavenly figure is the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus. But as we will see on the basis of, the t- of this text, I would lean to the view of this being the Son of Man in this vision and not just another angel. And so as we walk through this passage, I'm going to uh, try to use the phrase heavenly being uh, just for consistency. And if there's a part where I don't, this is who I am referring to. But the overarching point The main point of this passage is that there is a war. There is a war that is not of flesh and blood. We are looking this morning at a passage in which heaven's hosts fight demonic forces. We are not aware of all things. Yet the one on the throne is and is in control. We know ultimately that the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus is superior to angels, to demons, and to the nations. We are in a battle that is not of the flesh and blood. And so in this passage, we should be encouraged that ultimately the Lord, the Lord is superior to His enemies. And everyone will give an account to the Lord. And so as we walk through our passage this morning, we have two points. Two points as we walk through this passage. The first is, the Lord hears the prayers of His saints. The Lord hears the prayers of His saints. For that point, we'll look through verses 1 to 9. The Lord hears the prayers of His saints. The second point is, the Lord comes to the aid of His people. The Lord comes to the aid of His people. Look at verses 10 through 21 for that one. The Lord comes to the aid of of his people. So for point number one this morning, the Lord hears the prayers of his saints. Looking at verses one through nine. In verse one, this vision occurred in the third year of Cyrus, around 539 BC. It occurred around the time that the work had begun to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem in Ezra chapter three. And so the timing of this is significant. Because as the enemy is trying to stop this building of the temple in the Old Testament, the heavenly being is fighting him. Three times in verse 1, this divine message is mentioned. The, The word has come. The word has come. It is similar to the message given as a vision what Gabriel delivered in chapter 23 of, or chapter 9, verse 23 in which he says, consider the word and understand the vision. So this message, this vision, is further explaining the previous visions given. And this word that was given concerned the future conflicts that would arise and God's people being involved in these conflicts in Persia and Greece. What would arise was a a great conflict or war. And there's some debate on the wording of this, which could also uh, be referred to an appointed time. 
Either way, either way, conflict or war, the Lord is sovereign over kingdoms and nations. They will rise and fall, and everything in all creation will answer to Him on His appointed time. In verses 2 and 3, we see that Daniel was fasting. He ate no delicacies, which he could have because he was a part of the king's court. This is also alluding back to Daniel chapter 1, in which Daniel ate vegetables and relied on the Lord. As we have walked through Daniel, we are regularly reminded that Daniel was not dependent upon himself. He was dependent upon the Lord. Verse 3 goes on to say that I did not anoint myself. So someone anointed with oil was preparing to go into the holy place. And by Daniel not doing this, he was, he was fasting and he was mourning. And Daniel's fasting and, and prayer and also followed in reading the word. In chapter 9, verse 2, Scripture says, Daniel perceived according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet. So Daniel, Daniel grounded himself in the word of God. In this case, Jeremiah. And the word was known. The word was known. What do I mean by that? The word of God was available to Daniel. So we do not need to buy the modern day claims that that strive to critique the validity of the scriptures or the validity of the Old Testament. God's people heard from the prophets. Other prophets had God's word. And the Lord spoke through Jeremiah the prophet to strengthen Daniel. The Lord has given us his words through Jeremiah and Daniel to strengthen us and to point us to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So what we have here, it is not an accident. The scriptures are God's words to God's people, to equip the saints to behold King Jesus and to share the good news to our neighbors and nations. These words are the very gifts, the very gift of God to us, to behold Him. So Daniel's fasting was followed in prayer and reading the word. As we continue on in verses 4 through 9, in this portion, we are given the time of this vision. It occurred in the the first month of the Babylonian calendar, which would be March or April in our calendar. And the location of the vision was near the great river of the Tigris. So some commentators mention that Daniel could have been here because he was still serving in some official capacity for Babylon. But the Tigris is mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verse 14 as well. And so some scholars think this location is important because of what follows. Daniel, like Adam, falls into a deep sleep as we see at the end of verse 9. And so this could be pointing back to the Garden of Eden. And then the vision begins describing someone in human form. As we walk through some of this description, we must be aware that in Daniel chapter 7, 8, and 9, 
when Daniel addresses an angel, he never describes what the angel looks like or wears. And again, in those chapters, Daniel identifies who Gabriel the angel is. If this is Gabriel in this chapter, he does not identify him. So this one who looked like a man was dressed in these linen garments, these priestly garments. This phrase of one dressed in linen garments is also used in chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. This land, Ufas, uh, I'm confident uh, that that's how you pronounce it. If it's not, you know, I was educated in Louisiana and Kentucky, so you just, you just roll through it as fast as you can, and uh, that's how you do it. That's the trick. But this land is also mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 9. And it's a land where fine gold is found, but it's unknown on the map. And this description here reveals the, the importance of these, these garments. This being is one who is in the presence of the Lord. He comes as one to intercede. He is coming to care for Daniel. But he is more than that. The description continues on to say that his body was like beryl. Beryl was a fine gem. Some commentators say it was like a yellow jasper. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, we see this gem was, was also in the Garden of Eden. Scripture says, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardis, topaz, diamond, and beryl. And so the Scriptures are drawing imagery back to the Garden of Eden with the location of the vision. With the use of beryl here, and later on in this passage, with Daniel falling asleep. But this figure, this figure, one clothed in, in linen. In Ezekiel chapters 9 and 10, we see a similar figure that is clothed in linen. And in those two chapters, in Ezekiel chapter 9 and 10, in those two chapters, the phrase, uh, one clothed in linen, is mentioned six times. Six times. Andrew Steinman notes on this passage that no other person in Scripture wears a gold belt or sash except the exalted Christ in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. So we see similarities of this heavenly figure from Daniel in, in Daniel chapter 10. We also see it elsewhere in Ezekiel chapter 1. And Revelation chapter 1, that could lead one to believe this heavenly figure, this heavenly being, is the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus. And so there are a few passages that have similarities. So if, you, if you're taking notes this morning, it may be a benefit uh, to, to write these down. The phrase, appearance like a man, in verses 5, 16, and 18 of chapter 10, is used in Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, with God's appearance is like a man. And then in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, like a son of man. The phrase, face like lightning, in verse 6, is similar to Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 13, with the flashes of lightning. 
from the cherubim. And then in Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, with a face shining like the sun. And the phrase, eyes like burning torches, in verses, or, or verse 6 of this chapter, is similar to Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 13, with torches flash between the cherubim. And then it is similar to Revelation chapter 1, verse 14, with eyes like flames of fire. So this heavenly being is a glorious being. He speaks at the end of verse 6, and his sounds are like a multitude. He sounds like an army. This being's voice is authoritative. And this voice or sound is also pointing to imagery that the Lord of heaven, the Lord of heaven is a warrior. God fights and God wins. Whether this is the Lord Jesus or an angel that oversees angel, angels, uh, this, this heavenly being has been sent, as we see in verse 10, by the throne of heaven to accomplish the will of the Lord. And so Daniel has witnessed this vision. Although others are around him, he is the only one who saw this figure. And he witnessed this figure who shows just wrath of lightning and flaming torches and the power of his word in these descriptions. This did not bring about puppy dog feelings in Daniel, but left him stricken in awe of the king of heaven. And he fell into a deep sleep. Daniel prayed and fasted. And the Lord heard his prayer and sent a heavenly being to aid Daniel. So our second point this morning. The Lord comes to the aid of his people. The Lord comes to the aid of his people. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 12. In verse 10, in verse 10, we see this hand. And this, this, you know, this may be the hand of the one mentioned earlier uh, in verses 5 and 6, or it's the hand of an angel. Either way, Daniel is comforted and strengthened by the one who has been sent from heaven's throne as verse 10 ends. Verse 10 is similar to how John is encouraged in Revelation. Chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 as well. Scripture says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I had the keys of death in Hades. So this hand... Here in verse 10 is laid on Daniel, and Daniel is told, is told to stand upright. In chapter 8, when Daniel uh, receives a vision, his reaction to the vision made him sick. Here he is overwhelmed with this image of the one like a man whose majesty and glory is being shown. It's overwhelming for Daniel. And as we reflect on this passage, 
and think about our current culture, our culture lacks concern for the holiness of the Lord. It proclaims its lack of concern by statements of, I'm going to kick it with a big man, or I can't wait to go fishing or golfing in heaven. When one is struck with awe of the holiness of the Lord, we are going to fall on our face. We say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. There is none like Him. And He deserves our worship. And some may say, well, being with the Lord in heaven for eternity may be boring. To that I would respond, who gave the mountains their expanse? Who gave the seas its depth? Who placed the stars in the sky? And who knows the hairs on your head? And you would have the courage to say that worshiping the creator of all things is boring. In heaven, we are going to have eternal union with the king and behold him. So Daniel, unlike the claims of our culture, is in awe of the majesty of this one like a man. And it's overwhelmed him. It's overwhelmed Daniel. Yet, Daniel is comforted in this greeting. Fear not. Fear not. In verse 12. Do not be afraid. It's used again in verse 19. This phrase is used again in verse 19. Fear not. Fear not are comforting words for Daniel. And they should be for believers as well. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. So Daniel is told to fear not and to stand. These words, fear not, reassured Daniel after being overwhelmed with this vision. And Daniel's heart was set to understand. And he humbled himself before the God of heaven. He viewed the Lord rightly. It is the Lord who gives understanding to those who seek Him. The psalmist cries in Psalm 119 verse 169, Lord, give me understanding according to Your Word. And the Lord opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, as James chapter 4, verse 6 says. Daniel is being used by the Lord in this position. He is told not to fear. Daniel's heart is set on honoring the Lord in humility and understanding. So who does Daniel boast in? The Lord. Who do believers boast in? The Lord. In verse 13, this phrase, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, or the prince of Persia, it's, it's not referring to humans in this passage. It's referring to angels, demons, or fallen angels who are the princes mentioned throughout this vision in Daniel chapters 10 through 12. There are demonic powers in these places 
who are trying to thwart and oppose God's plan. And this prince of Persia has opposed this heavenly being for 21 days. The heavenly being is fighting this king or prince of Persia. But no opposition is going to succeed against the Lord. This particular demonic possession or demon regarding the king of Persia attempted to stop God's plans that involved Persia and Israel. Israel is rebuilding the the temple in Jerusalem and this prince of Persia is trying to stop that. But Persian worship was pagan worship. And there's no question that the worship of pagan gods is ultimately demonic worship and it's worship in falsehoods. The, The prince of Persia, this demonic power, would try to do everything he could to thwart the plans of the Lord. And so pagan worship is demonic. If one does a child sacrifice to a pagan deity like Molech, that is demonic, that's wicked, that's evil. Any worship that's not given to the triune God of heaven is false worship. There is no middle ground. Whether it's the 12 gods of Persian mythology, or Molech, or Buddha, or the Dalai Lama, or Muhammad, any worship, adoration, or respect given to their name is false worship. There is only one who is holy, and it's the Lord of glory. And the Lord is not going to say to one on the last day, you love Muhammad well. Enter into paradise. If you're not following King Jesus, He will say, depart from Me. So beloved, may our hearts be stirred for the King of glory, the Lord of glory. These princes of Persia and Greece, these demonic forces, are trying to thwart God's plan and produce false worship. Martin Luther said on this account, whether we ward off one misfortune, the devil produces another. If you get liberated from Babylon, then the Greeks will bedevil you. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10-13, through 13, that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. We're to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So this war, this war that comes from heaven's throne will not be done away with. This demonic army opposes the throne of heaven, but God's plan will come to fruition. It's not a tug of war against good and evil, God and the devil, or angels and demons either. It's not one of those pictures on Facebook where you share if you love Jesus 
And if you like the picture, you love Satan. That's not what's going on. God is going to punish these wicked ones. And it will happen when he sees fit. Evil answers to the king. Isaiah chapter 24 verse 21 says, On that day the Lord will punish the hosts of heaven in heaven and the kings of the earth on the earth. So, so those who try to thwart the plans of God are like gnats. These, these demons that are princes of these nations, these kings of these nations are like gnats. And it's by God's grace, it is by God's grace that more evil does not occur. And so these fallen angels and, and demons in this passage, they wanted to try to thwart God's plans because the people of God were going back to Jerusalem from exile. And verse 13 is one that brings an objection to the view that the appearance of a man in this passage is Jesus. We all know and would confess that God does not need anyone. God does not need anyone. God lacks nothing. In verse 13 and verse 21, Michael the angel comes to the aid of this heavenly being. Yet God does not need any help or anyone. If one holds to the view that this heavenly being is Jesus in this passage, how would one reconcile this in verses 13 and 21? Knowing that God does not need anyone. God has chosen to use the work of humans and angels to accomplish His good purposes. God has chosen to use the work of Michael to accomplish His good purposes. God has chosen Daniel to serve in the courts of Babylon and among the Persians and remain faithful. So God uses angels and humans as He sees fit to accomplish His good purposes. Some may see this heavenly being here as Gabriel, but Gabriel is a messenger. We see that in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse 26, where Gabriel speaks to Mary. And here in Daniel 10, we see a warrior. We see one who fights. And Michael has responded to help. And I, I think it's important to note that Michael's name means who is like God. Who is like God. He contends for the Lord. Michael contends for the Lord. And he's referred to as a prince here in verse 13 and also in verse 21. So there's none, there's none like God. And his kingdom is forever. It's an everlasting kingdom. Michael's name alone bears testimony to this. Who is like God? There is none. And he alone is deserving of all praise and worship. Continuing on in verse 14, Scripture says, to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. So this is a reference to the future of everything that follows after Daniel, and more specifically, the, the reign of Jesus and his kingdom. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 28, the same phrase was used regarding the latter days. Scripture says, But there is 
a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So these latter days are a reference to the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus, and until he returns. So this vision is not primarily about particular nations and kingdoms of the earth, but the God-man Jesus who took on flesh in which Old Testament saints longed for. Jesus' people, his church, we, we're not longing for an Escalade or a Benz. We want him. We want the Lord Jesus. When there will be no more parting or pain, we will have eternal union with the King of heaven and with his people. We've no less days. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. No less days, saints. Eternal union with the King. This is what we have in Jesus. In verses 15 and 16, Daniel again falls to the ground in his week and then describes one like a child of man touching his lips. This one touches Daniel again, similar to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 7. And he touched my, my mouth and said, Behold, this is touch your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Daniel is touched, opens his mouth and speaks. And he responds, How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? And again, Daniel is touched and strengthened in verse 18. This heavenly being encourages Daniel. He says, Fear not, and peace be with you. He is being strengthened by the Lord. And as Daniel is strengthened, he is being strengthened as a minister that carries the word of the Lord. He's a prophet. He's a prophet of the Lord. And so the phrase, be strong and of good courage, is not like the lion in the Wizard of Oz trying to find courage. The phrase used, be strong and of good courage, is provided by the Lord. He equips and he aids his saints. Christians are not strengthened by looking at themselves in the mirror. We are strengthened by going to the living water, meeting each other at the brook, running to Jesus who never turns his people away and his well that never runs dry. That is how we as believers are strengthened. And so whether this man in this passage is the Lord Jesus or he's an angel who declares this message from the Lord, let's think about this phrase in verse 19. And as he spoke to me, as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. We know that the one who made all things speaks to his people and strengthens them by his word. If you desire to be strengthened and renewed at His very Word, pick up His letter, the Scriptures that He has written to His bride, the church. Daniel was strengthened by His very words. Those who believe are strengthened by the words of the King of Heaven. 
then this heavenly being responds to Daniel at the end of this chapter in verses 20 and 21. In verse 20, this heavenly being will return to fight. He will return to fight this this Persian prince. This should remind us the hosts of heaven fight for God's people in ways we do not always see. And the Lord is our protector and provider. And He, he is victorious in battle. King Jesus is our victory over sin, death, and the grave. Satan and his demons can try to thwart and stop the plans of the creator of the cosmos. But they will always fail. John chapter 10, verse 10 says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life. All of us. All of us have sinned against the Lord of heaven. We have committed treason. And a just sentence to us would be death and hell because of our sin. Yet God in His grace sent the Lord Jesus Christ who being truly God and truly man lived perfectly in our place. Because we deserved death because of our sin, one had to die in our place as a substitute. And the only sufficient one is the Lord Jesus. Buddha is not sufficient. Muhammad is not sufficient. You are not sufficient. Only the Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient. And upon the cross, Jesus cried, it is finished. It is finished. Salvation is found only in Jesus. If you want to be reconciled to God and forgiven of your sin, you must place your faith in Jesus Christ. And this sweet victory that Christ has accomplished by conquering sin and death is given to His people. The book of Hebrews begins by saying, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by, him, by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Christ Jesus has accomplished salvation for his people. Rejoice in him. And if you are not following King Jesus, repent of your sin and trust in him and him alone. To save. As we come to, to the end of this passage, the, the Lord is all-knowing. There were new demonic threats that came up from Greece. And in verse 21, Scripture says that this one like a man tells what is inscribed in the book of truth. Nowhere else in Scripture is this phrase used. The, the book of truth. Nowhere else is this used in Scripture. This heavenly being is telling what is going to occur in God's plan. God's plan 
is unchanging. And this book of truth tells what is going to occur. He is fighting these evil forces of Persia and Greece to care for his people. And as the Lord cared for his people in the Old Testament, the Lord cares for his church. He hears our prayers and sees our reliance upon him. He will answer and he will come to our aid when he sees fit. Beloved, this is this, this war is not of flesh and blood. But fear not. Take courage in him. We only get one life, and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Jesus Christ will last. Let's pray. Lord, our King of Heaven, may we be a people who do not rest in ourselves and our works and in our deeds. But may we be a people that rest in Jesus alone. That Christ has shed His blood and He's accomplished salvation for whomever would believe. Lord, as we come to you in prayer, remind us regularly that you are enough. You are enough. You, you Lord, hear our joys and our sorrows. Lord, may you bring comfort to us. And it's you, it's you alone who can bring true aid. And may our hope be found in you, our King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.